Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 142, Traveling with Your Own Firearm to Turkey Hunt. And I am your host, and the guy who got a call from his neighbor saying that the wild turkey who has taken up with his chickens in his backyard has crossed the fence and is in my yard and wanted me to scare the turkey back over the fence so that she could get there with the chickens and eat. Well, I told my neighbor that if there's anything I have a lot of experience at, it is scaring wild turkeys. So I would be happy to go over there in my yard and scare the turkey, which I was kind of surprised took me a little bit longer to do. The turkey kept trying to fly into the fence. I have a hog wire fence along that section of the property line, and I'm sure the turkey is looking more at a distance than it is right up next to its head, and so it just could not figure out how to get on the other side of that fence which is really kind of interesting given the fact that wild turkeys in this state are probably very familiar with crossing fences. I'm not sure how many hog wire fences they see in the woods, but barbed wire fences are everywhere. So that kind of threw me off a little bit, but irregardless, the turkey is back in the neighbor's yard and she's over there eating with the chickens and she just thinks life is rosy. And speaking of life being rosy, it's getting more and more rosy every week that goes by. Today, we are 245 days, 11 hours, 54 minutes, and 20 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. 245 days. So, you guys know that I've got a bunch of projects still going on at home right now, and work is really busy as well. Even though there is a light at the end of the tunnel as far as work is concerned, because very soon the summer home buying season is coming to an end. So, because work is very busy and because I have so many projects going on, my intro and outro will be quickies this week. So today we're going to talk a little bit about traveling to turkey hunt. Specifically, we're going to talk about traveling with your own firearm to turkey hunt. Now, I love to travel. 
and I love to explore new places. And I think most of us hunters are part explorer anyway. You know, you may not have ever felt the urge to travel out of state or out of the country to turkey hunt or to hunt at all, but I bet you've caught yourself wondering what is around the next curve in the road or the next bend in the creek or even over the next hill. And that curiosity and that urge to explore actually got the best of me in Arizona when I just had to walk down the side of the mountain that I was on. And that was about a six to 700 foot elevation change. And walk up the next mountain that was on the other side of the draw, which was about a six to 700 foot elevation change, just to see if I could see the Grand Canyon any better. You see, the other mountain that I wanted to climb had been cut, and there was basically no timber on it. So I had to get over there to see if I could see the Grand Canyon any better, and I could, and it was awesome. So I'm definitely glad I did that. Now, you guys definitely know that I love to turkey hunt, and when I can marry those two passions together, turkey hunting and traveling, I am one very happy person. And one thing that I've noticed when talking to other people, hunters and non-hunters alike, is that I often get questions about how difficult it is to travel with firearms when hunting. So that is actually what I'm going to talk about today. It is part of what one of you guys who sent an idea or a show topic suggestion in to me wanted to learn about. And that person was Matt Allen wanted to know about traveling and turkey hunting. And so we've been talking a little bit about the traveling and turkey hunting part when we're talking about hunting out of state and how to pick outfitters and how to choose a, the right piece of public land to hunt on and that kind of thing. But I thought, you know, this is a little bit technical. This is something that a lot of people don't really think about when it comes time to plan a trip. And we need to think about it. It is something that is very important for us, and we need to think about it. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. And you guys already know there are some very crazy gun laws in this country. Not just federal laws, but the local and state laws as well. And we have to be sure we're in compliance with those laws, or we can find ourselves in a heap of trouble that can cost us our hunting license privileges, our firearms, money due to fines, court costs, and attorney's fees, and not being in compliance with those laws can possibly cost us a little bit of time in the pokey. And we all know ain't nobody got time for that. So let's talk a little bit about what the requirements are for transporting firearms for most types of travel, mainly planes, trains, and automobiles. So First, let's talk about automobiles. Now, even if we are going to travel using trains or planes to get to our out-of-state or out-of-country destination, chances are we'll be traveling in an automobile on the way to the airport or train station and on the way back from the airport or train station, as well as to and from the train station and or airport once we reach our destination. So here's where things can get hairy in a hurry if we don't do two things. Because so many municipalities have separate gun laws that govern how we transport firearms. The first thing that we need to remember 
about transporting firearms in an automobile is this. Obey all traffic laws and use caution when traveling while wearing camouflage or, if it's not turkey season, hunter orange. You know, if we don't attract attention to ourselves when we have our guns in our vehicles, then chances are we will never get stopped and we won't have to worry with those varying local gun laws. Secondly, and this is huge, this is huge, follow FOPA. Follow FOPA. What is FOPA? It is the Firearms Owners Protection Act, and it states that a person is entitled to transport a firearm from any place where he or she may lawfully possess and carry that firearm to any other place where he or she may lawfully possess and carry it. Now here's a big if. If the firearm is unloaded and locked out of reach. So what that means is this. Unloaded means unloaded. No ammo, no shell, no cartridge in the chamber, and none in the magazine or clip. Unloaded means unloaded. No shells at all in that gun or in a magazine or clip. Locked out of reach. So what does that mean? Well, in a vehicle with a trunk, it means that that gun needs to be locked in the trunk. Vehicles that don't have a trunk, like SUVs, the unloaded firearm must be in a locked container other than the glove compartment or console. So that firearm needs to be unloaded and locked in your hard-sided gun case and in the back of the SUV, not riding next to you in the passenger seat. It needs to be in the back of the SUV where you cannot reach it. Now, we know too that because states and municipalities get challenged quite often when they come out with these gun laws. We know that they often make laws restricting how we can carry or transport ammunition. So FOPA protects us in carrying ammunition as well. And that ammunition needs to be locked in a container, and that container needs to be out of reach in the trunk, or the ammo needs to be in a locked container other than the glove compartment or console. So we can lock our ammo inside our hard-sided gun case with our firearm, but it cannot be in the firearm. If it's in the firearm, the firearm is loaded. They're going to say it is loaded. So FOPA is really very easy to comply with. If we're traveling via airplane or train, we're going to have to have a hard-sided gun case anyway. And we just need to keep our firearm unloaded and in that hard-sided gun case. And the gun case needs to be locked. Even if that gun case is locked inside the automobile's trunk, the gun case needs to be locked we need to take that extra step, that extra little bit of insurance to protect ourselves. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about FOPA after we cover the other two primary means of transporting firearms. So a second way that we're most likely to transport a firearm for a hunting trip would be via train. And I know most of us here in the southeast and many of us 
out in the Midwest and the West don't really travel via train very much. But those in the Northeast actually do use trains to commute a fair amount. And it's not unusual to take a train to the airport to get on a plane to fly out west. So when it comes to traveling via train, there's some things that we need to know. The same federal protection of FOPA applies. However, we need to read up on what the individual train company's policies are for transporting firearms and ammunition. You know, and I think the ammo part of this equation gets lost a lot of times because I know I don't really think of ammo as being all that dangerous when it's just sitting there. But it is. It is an explosive and it needs to be treated with care and it needs to be treated according to the policies that these companies that we're traveling with have in place for us. A simple Google search that I did of firearms and train travel yielded Amtrak's website, which lists the conditions that we must follow to travel with Amtrak. And this is a reason why we need to know the policies. One of the conditions that they will allow us to travel on one of their trains is that we are not allowed to travel with more than 11 pounds of ammunition. That's a very strange number, isn't it? 11 pounds of ammunition. Now, most of us going on a turkey hunt are not going to have to worry about that. But, remember, most of us. So this is very interesting, and it's very challenging for a hunter like me, who likes to fire some warning shots at turkeys before they actually kill one. (laughs) I don't like to run out of ammo. So within reason... I'm going to carry what I think is more ammo than I need. And when I say within reason, I'm trying to stay within the weight limits established by the airlines and the train companies and whoever else it is that I'm traveling with. So that's what I will be paying attention to. So it just goes to show you that there really are some crazy things out there. Amtrak even has restrictions on how large the hard-sided gun case that you take on their train can be. 62 inches long by 17 inches wide and 7 inches deep. That's the maximum size of a hard-sided container to carry a firearm in for Amtrak. So we need to pay attention to these kind of things before we just run out there to jump on a train or jump on a plane to travel to our hunting destination when that may cause us delays and would put a very big damper on the amount of fun that we can have on our trip. Okay, so I want to talk about traveling on a plane next. If you'll be traveling in a private aircraft, then none of these rules will apply to you, but you may want to check with the pilot or owner of the aircraft and just see if they have any rules that they want you to follow. Remember, like I said, ammo is an explosive and we want to be sure that we treat it properly because because one explosion on an aircraft is one explosion too many. So be cognizant of what you're traveling with and make sure that those who know how you need to handle that hazardous material have offered you some guidance on what to do. You know, I've traveled through enough airports to know that not every TSA agent is the same. Some of those agents are actually happy to be at work and enjoy their jobs. 
but we know most of them are not. And one thing that I know about TSA agents is this. They get very serious when it comes to firearms and flying commercially. There are some very strict rules when it comes to firearms and flying, and our trip will be much more enjoyable if we'll follow those rules. So here is the lowdown on flying with our firearms. Number one, firearms can be transported on a commercial aircraft only if they are unloaded, packed in a locked, hard-sided case, and transported in checked baggage. We have to check our firearms. Number two, ammunition and firearm parts, including firearm frames, receivers, clips and magazines, are also prohibited in carry-on baggage, and they must be checked with our baggage as well. Number three, we must declare firearms ammunition, and any firearm parts at the airport during the check-in process. So we have to go to the airline ticket counter to declare firearms. We can't just do the little rapid check, throw a, a tag on that gun case, and throw it on the conveyor belt. That is not going to work. We have to declare that firearm. We have to fill out a declaration slip and put that declaration slip inside the gun case. And that declaration slip is acknowledgement of the fact that we've declared the firearm, that we know that the firearm is unloaded, and it's also acknowledgement that the airline knows that we have a firearm in that locked case. Number four, firearm magazines and ammunition clips, whether loaded or empty, must be securely packed in a hard-sided case containing the unloaded firearm. Okay, now this is whether loaded or empty. Here's the deal. Unload them. Unload those magazines and clips. There is no reason to keep them loaded. We are creating less opportunity for headaches, heartaches, delays, and problems by just unloading the clips or magazines that we're traveling with. Number five, small arms ammunition not exceeding .75 caliber for a rifle. That's not really small arms, is it? A 75 caliber rifle? That's that's a big arms. So I've got to start over now because I got distracted. Small arms ammunition not exceeding 75 caliber for a rifle or pistol and shotgun shells of any gauge, and I will say bore, may be transported in the same case as the firearm. Now, that is something that for years I didn't know. My dad actually told me that ammo had to be transported in a different case, and that may have been the old rule. But today, they may be transported in the same case as the firearm. And I'm going to throw one other thing in there about ammo. We can make our travels with firearms and ammunition much easier if we will keep our ammunition in its original manufacturer's packaging. It doesn't have to be unopened. So it can be an opened package, but if we'll keep it in the original packaging, it's going to make things easier for us. Okay, number six. This is a little bit ugly. If we take a firearm to the TSA security checkpoint, we can be cited by law enforcement on a local or state charge. TSA is also going to levy a civil penalty against us 
and the recommended civil penalty range is between $3,000 and $7,500. So let's not make a mistake and just take our firearm into the TSA checkpoint thinking that they're going to take care of it for us. We need to take it to the airlines where we can declare it and they can check it for us and get it on the plane for us. Okay, here are a few things to note. Number one, be sure you know what the state and local regs are at your destination. And we need to always be cognizant of the fact that we're traveling with firearms. And if our flight is rerouted, delayed, or canceled, and we find ourselves taking possession of our firearm somewhere other than our ultimate destination, then we have to be aware of what those local laws are, especially if we're traveling internationally to Mexico or Canada, or remember there are turkeys in New Zealand. And here's where this really was brought into light for me the first time. The first time I went to Africa, I went with my dad and one of my older brothers. And on the way home from our trip, we were flying into London's Heathrow Airport. Now, London, England, and England itself have very, very, very restrictive gun laws. It's illegal to own a gun, period. When we landed in London, our flight was canceled. And in order to not spend the night in the airport and not get a hotel in London, we were required to change airlines. Remember, we were on a hunting trip to Africa. And in the process of changing airlines, we had to take possession of our luggage, go through customs, even though we were not staying in London, and recheck our bags with the new airline. Taking possession of our firearms would have gotten us arrested immediately. So that was not a plan. That was not going to work. And fortunately, my dad and my brother knew that because I would not have thought about it had I been traveling by myself. I would have taken possession of my firearm and I would have tried to go through customs with it and I would have promptly been arrested or detained or whatever would have happened. It was not going to be good. So we need to think about those things before we just go and travel without a care in the world. Now, for us turkey hunters, this shouldn't be a problem for most of us because really most of us are not going to be traveling internationally. And if we are, if we're going to Mexico or we're going to Canada to hunt turkeys, we really, really should just consider using the firearms that are provided to us by the outfitter that we're going to use when we get to our destination. That is the easiest thing to do. Just use their firearm. I did that when I went to Mexico and hunted Gould's turkeys. It was a bit awkward hunting turkeys with a gun that I don't know like my left hand. But I got used to it in a hurry because I had to. All right, so the second thing that we need to consider here is that we need to use a hard-sided gun case with either a built-in lock on both ends of the gun case or with the ability to put two locks on that case, one on each end. The gun case must have a lock on both ends of the case or the ability to lock both ends of the case. That is very important. Another very important consideration is that if our gun 
has sights or a scope on it, then we need to remember to pattern the gun before we hunt with it. On one of my trips out of state on a turkey hunting trip, we made a connecting flight at an airport. We never had to take possession of our guns. They were checked the whole way to our final destination. But we made a connecting flight, and while we're sitting on the plane waiting on the tarmac for our luggage to be loaded, I was sitting next to the window above the door where the luggage is loaded. And I was sitting there watching luggage go on the plane. Well, I just so happened to see my suitcase get loaded on the plane. I thought, well, at least I'll have some clothes. And next thing I see the luggage guy grab is the gun case. Now, I'm probably being conservative when I say this, but he took my gun case and he threw it about four feet onto the conveyor belt. And the conveyor belt took it up into the cargo area of the plane. Now, we pay a lot of money to go on these out-of-state hunting trips. And the last thing that we want to do is to blow an opportunity because we didn't shoot or sight in our guns after traveling with them. When that guy took my gun case and threw that gun about four feet, there is no telling what could have happened inside that gun case to move the sight to make that gun so that it was not shooting accurately. So it's very important once we get to our destination that we shoot our guns, make sure they're still sighted in, and that they still pattern the way that we want them to. All right, I told you that I was going to talk about FOPA a little bit more once we got to the end of the show. And although FOPA is a federal law, it is being picked apart by judges in some states and jurisdictions. Again, I'm saying this multiple times in the show, it is important that we do our research on firearm laws in the area that we're traveling to, through, and from. Instances have been recorded where individuals who followed FOPA were arrested anyway by local authorities. Most of those cases were dismissed or thrown out, but think about the headaches and frustrations of being arrested because you violated local gun law and then having to get an attorney to get you out of that arrest or out of those charges using FOPA. It's just not worth it. Again, when we're traveling with our firearms, we just need to remember that we have our guns with us. And as long as we're not breaking any firearm transportation laws, remember FOPA is a federal law and it should override those local and state gun laws. As long as we're not breaking any firearm transportation laws, we definitely need to mind our P's and Q's while traveling. And we only need to answer the questions that were asked. We don't need to be volunteering information. There's no reason to. If our firearm is unloaded and it's locked with our ammunition in a case in the back of our vehicle, then we're in compliance with FOPA and we have no reason to declare anything. All right, so now that I probably have scared those of you who are thinking that you would want to travel out of state to go on a turkey hunt, and now you're thinking that you don't want to travel to go out of state on a turkey hunt, I'm going to say this. We can't run around being scared of everything all the time. We have protections in place that if we follow those rules and those regulations, then we're going to be okay when we travel with firearms. So know the rules, know the regulations of the carriers that we're traveling with, know the rules and know the regulations of the areas that we're traveling through and those areas that are our destinations and comply with them and we'll be safe. 
and we'll have a great time when we get there. And remember that the getting there is half the fun. That's half the adventure. Easiest way for knowing those regulations and those rules is to let Google be our friend. Use Google to search what the local laws are. And if Google can't give us the answers to the questions that we have, a simple phone call to the Attorney General's office to the state that you're traveling to or the police department of the municipality that you're going to be in or traveling through, a simple phone call there and a pen and paper to take some notes can go a long way to saving some headaches. All right, so that is all that I've got for you guys today. But you know I've got to ask you for a favor this week before I turn you loose. If you learned something from this week's episode, then please share this episode via text message or email with a hunting buddy. And you can do that using the share feature in your podcast player app. Even Podbean has a share function. It has a share button in it. It's very easy to do, and sharing the show will be a big help to Cameron and me. There's my one favor of the week, and now that means that I'm cutting you loose. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices, and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.